welcome all of you to this week's CCL training program. It's a weekly webinar program of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Sees, and tonight's topic is going to be diving into Citizens Climate's roadmap for the 118th Congress. So with our expanded policy agenda, it can be tough to keep track of how we expect to make progress in each area. And so you're in luck because tonight we're gonna to be joined by Topher Anderson, CC's Senior Development Officer for a training that will provide a high level overview of how we move the needle of each policy area and what we specifically aim to do in the 118th Congress. So this presentation actually was originally written as a development document and you are welcome to also use it. We'll show you where you can find the actual uh, PDF as well as these slides or the recording. You're more than welcome to share it with your friends, your network, your potential donor network as well after tonight. So with that, let me introduce our speaker and then I will pass it to him. The wonderful Topher Anderson serves as Citizens Climate Education Senior Development Officer. Topher works on the development team to fundraise for the mission of Citizens Climate Education and Citizens Climate Lobby. He builds relationships with our generous donors and connects the dots between the impact of climate change and the impact that a donation can make in helping address climate change. If we've done our job well tonight, you're gonna to walk away with the following three learning goals. We're gonna have the chance to highlight what makes CCL a unique organization culturally within our own philosophy and with the power of our network, also grounded within the larger climate movement. You're gonna have the chance to also hear us articulate our legislative theory of change and our policy agenda. And we'll explore more of the details behind our roadmap for the 118th Congress ahead and what that looks like policy-wise. So to do that, our agenda is pretty straightforward. Tober is gonna to start with some brief background. We'll then get grounded in what makes us unique as an organization. We'll then explore all of our policy agenda areas, starting with clean energy permitting reform, going to carbon pricing, talking about building electrification and efficiency, and ending with healthy forests before wrapping up with a conclusion and then taking your questions. So again, thank you all so much for being here tonight. With that, I will pass it to you, Topher, and the floor is yours. All right. Thank you so much, Brett. Uh, it's really good to be here with everybody. Uh, and I want to start with just uh, a little bit of background on this document and and the conversation we're having today, because I think it's a natural question to say, why is the development officer, someone working in fundraising, talking about the roadmap for 118th Congress? Uh, and I, it, it's a good question. Uh, and I think that in my role in development, we're kind of like the circulatory system for CCL. Our volunteers are like the muscle that are doing the hard work out there. Our education team is the skeleton, uh, and maybe uh, the government affairs team is the brain but we really work between everybody. And so we're carrying information and can sometimes help to step back and get a bigger picture. I'm not really the expert on the what of the policy details, but I am often answering those bigger why questions. Why are we pursuing this policy? Why are we unique in this space? So we created this document to answer those high level questions. Um, and in the process, we interviewed our government affairs team, our leadership, our strategy team and our education team to pull this all together into one cohesive picture. And it starts with, again, this reiteration of what makes us unique. And we often internally talk about this in terms of our core values. But when I'm out there talking to people who aren't as familiar with CCL, 
uh, I like to talk about it as well in the way that that manifests in strategic choices that we make. And the first one that we're all very familiar with is a bipartisan approach in Congress. We have an outstanding reputation for bipartisanship that makes our professional lobbyists and citizen advocates welcome in any congressional office. So we are equipped to be effective partners to all climate champions in Congress and assist them in passing legislation across multiple areas. The second one is that we don't make enemies. Uh, we always focus on what we're for and on finding common ground. So we leave it to other environmental groups to oppose policies or members of Congress, which is important, but this choice allows us to be effective in every part of the country and to be effective on both sides of the aisle, even when partisanship is running high. Our third thing that makes us really unique in the space is our constituent-led advocacy. Uh, we provide this dynamic educational curriculum, really awesome, ro robust organizational support and a strong community so that our grassroots supporters can lobby their elective, elected officials and build the political will in district uh, in a way that really sways members of Congress in response to locals' opportunities. Most importantly, I love that it builds an engaged citizenry that our democracy needs. We also are set apart by our focus on diversity under a big tent. So we give extra focus to recruiting conservatives, youth, and people of color into our movement to make sure that we really do mobilize and represent a diverse movement for our nation. We are also emissions driven. So we are really rigorous about the climate policies we support. We only commit to efforts uh, for policies that will deliver meaningful emissions cuts as quickly as possible. We're not afraid to engage with difficult or unpopular issues. Uh, and as evidence, if you've been with CCL a long time, you know that carbon pricing wasn't popular when we started, but we made it popular. And we're willing to engage in tough issues like permitting reform because the experts tell us it's necessary for deep emissions cuts. And the last thing that really sets us apart is our legislative track record, which I'll touch on at the end. Uh, we have a successful track record of building the political will to get legislation passed and an established method of doing so. So far, we've played a key role in the passage of six bipartisan laws and climate provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, so we're really proud of that. And that is something that sets us apart when we're talking to other organizations. So before we get into the bigger question of our roadmap, um, something that has come of this is really uh, an articulation of our theory of change on the Hill, so to speak. So each of our three teams uh, work together in their distinct roles to move legislation, and then they provide synergy to each other at the same time. So the first team is our government affairs team. They are the on-the-hill lobbyists and legislative affairs staff that articulate our legislative principles to potential members in Congress, and they encourage legislation that meets those principles. And this is under those areas of permitting reform, forestry, carbon pricing. Um, and then when legislation is drafted within our framework, we, they work to recruit a bipartisan group of co-sponsors for the introduction of the bill. And then they'll often work to facilitate the bill's rollout uh, by helping with the press conferences or talking to the press and really making sure that good legislation is, is getting the momentum from the start. And they also coordinate with allies to amplify power and partner on our shared goals. And then when legislation is introduced and out there, our grassroots network really takes over. Our 210,000 advocates in every state and congressional district grow the co-sponsorship list uh, with unparalleled speed and effect. 
a larger co-sponsorship list raises the bill's profile in Congress, and that enables the bill's author to negotiate for its inclusion either in a larger package, like an omnibus bill, or a passage via regular order. The second thing that they're doing is shifting the Overton window by building in-district support and political will through the five levers of political will. Uh, the Overton window is a nerdy way of saying the range of acceptable uh, policies or solutions that are in the public mind. So our citizens, uh, our, our grassroots supporters make it clear to their elected officials that we want particular climate solutions or particular legislation. And the third thing that they do like no one else is that we build these direct trusting relationships with our members of Congress to move them up the ladder of climate engagement. So through this long-term relational advocacy, we help climate denying legislators become climate conversant. Conversant legislators become climate supportive and supportive legislators become climate champions. And then lastly, our policy research team supports all of this work by submitting congressional testimony at committee hearings and providing educational and lobby resources for our grassroots network. So they are helping to inform us as we do this work uh, with incredible blogs and education pieces throughout the, uh, the congressional cycle. And through all of this, uh, there are some really unique synergies. Each of these three teams is great on their own, but together they, they do something uh, really special. Uh, the first thing that they provide is really unparalleled intelligence on what's happening in Congress. Because our volunteers are out there meeting in every congressional district with their representatives two to four times a year, those notes are getting submitted to the government affairs team who's able to read it and know the evolving positions and interests of every member of Congress, which enables them to identify new champions, find swing votes, and partners for each bill then they can use that intel to turn around and strategically direct our grassroots engagement. So they can select key states and district uh, to target grassroots recruitment and mobilization campaigns to recruit new co-sponsors or enhance in-district support where someone is on the fence for a vote. And lastly, that helps us to have the best well-informed autonomous grassroots advocates. Our educational curriculum and reports from the government affairs team make our volunteers well-informed on the best advocacy and communication strategies, as well as the evolving political landscape. Uh, we do this through constant updates and a regular monthly action to every volunteer that's tailored to help them move the needle with their specific member of Congress. In addition to this kind of core theory of change that we kind of talk about as like our core engine, we have a lot of complementary efforts that move the needle on climate. The first one is that we're, our fourth focus area is leveraging federal funding for building electrification and efficiency. The second is election engagement. We raise climate change as an election issue in red and blue districts alike with local media, candidate forums, and public support for climate action during the election cycle. We also build and maintain bipartisan spaces in Congress. We spearheaded the founding and growth of the Bipartisan Climate Solutions Caucus in the House and supported the founding in the Senate. And we continue to maintain strong, supported relationships with the chairs of these caucuses. And lastly, with our legislative clout, we stand ready to defend le climate legislation from repeal. We stand ready, especially for the Inflation Reduction Act, to show broad case support in national media, in our local communities, and in Congress if ever it faces a threat of repeal. 
Okay, and now we're going to get into our, our uh, roadmap for each of the four policy areas. The first is clean energy permitting reform, which is really the most immediate opportunity for a significant emissions reductions in this Congress. And you might ask why. Um, it comes down to some major pieces, the first of which is major emissions reductions. 80% of the emissions reductions from the Inflation Reduction Act won't be unlocked without major permitting reform. So future federal spending or carbon pricing will likewise be hindered unless we can fix permitting reform. Also 92% of permitting delayed energy products are wind and solar. And it takes an average of 4.5 years to issue permits for energy projects that require an environmental impact statement and more than a decade to build transmission lines. The last is the political moment. Uh, the Senate leadership, House committee leaders in the White House uh, have signaled their desire for a bipartisan permitting reform deal. And uh, I, we wrote this before the budget reconciliation or the budget ceiling, debt ceiling negotiations. Um, but it's a great sign of exactly that, that we are seeing already on both sides of the aisle, a willingness to engage here and to move. And our role in this space is to address permitting barriers while also protecting bedrock environmental law and community input. And our role is, is, is three parts. First of all, we can fill a grassroots void. We build in-district support for permitting reform in a space where many environmental groups have been unengaged or have stood in opposition uh, for other reasons. We also stand ready to encourage compromise. Uh, we are ready to push Democrats to work in a policy area that climate solutions call for, but are politically difficult, and to push Republicans to support permitting reform while also protecting community input and bedrock environmental law. We also are ready to catalyze momentum through conferences. So our conservative climate leadership conference, where we had more than 100 conservative volunteers lobby their Republican members, focused on permitting reform as the House was pulling together their permitting package. And now next week, we're gonna to come together for June Lobby Day and meet with at least 400 uh, constituent-led meetings where we'll push all of them to um, agree on the need for permitting reform and vital provisions. So we're striking while the iron's hot and making sure that broadly this is, this is in the ear of every single office. And that's uh, something that we are uniquely suited to do. Uh, the next area is carbon pricing. Uh, which is really building the long-term case for a necessary policy. There are several significant headwinds, such as inflation and high energy costs right now, that make it unlikely to pass in this Congress. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that it's necessary. Even after the passage of major legislation last Congress, we are not likely to hit our 2030 or 2050 goals without a carbon price. So we must continue to build the case for this policy if it's gonna pass in the future. We see a real opportunity to advance the argument for a carbon price, both by supporting carbon pricing bills directly and advancing carbon border adjustment mechanisms. CBAMs, uh, which is what they're referred to, are a levy on imported high carbon intensity goods, such as aluminum or steel. And congressional Republicans are increasingly talking about a CBAM, both in bipartisan groups and in joint op-eds with prominent Trump advisors as an America first trading policy to counter China and promote cleaner domestic industries. The European Union implemented a CBAM that will soon affect our trade. 
and a CBAM is not applied to nations with an equivalent domestic carbon price. So implementation of a CBAM will also pressure other nations to implement a carbon price and build the case domestically. And lastly, the successful passage of other bipartisan climate legislation in areas like permitting and forestry generates more buy-in for Republicans to take action on climate overall. So this pays the way for a carbon price uh, to grow in its political buy-in and makes the transition to a priced economy even smoother. And our role here is very easy to define. We are the most experienced expert grassroots organization in the area of carbon pricing. I've talked to several non-CCL stakeholders on the Hill who affirm that it's widely recognized that we are the ones who made this policy mainstream. And our allies look to us to continue leading on this issue with our grassroots power and our repository of resources. So we'll use this clout in our tools to keep building the case for a carbon price through several avenues. We'll support the introduction of a bipartisan carbon pricing bill in the Senate, and we'll raise its profile through grassroots action, co-sponsorships, and media coverage. We're going to support the introduction and growing co-sponsorship of multiple CBAM bills in the Senate. We're going to support the introduction of carbon pricing bills that move the conversation forward, especially the reintroduction of the Energy Innovation Act, which was the most co-sponsored carbon pricing bill in U.S. history. We will continue to be the primary driving force behind this bill. And we will convene the weekly carbon pricing coalition meetings, which happen on the Hill with 20 partner organizations and 10 congressional offices to keep sharing information and coordinating advocacy efforts and really being a hub uh, to keep that information and political will flowing on the Hill. Our last area is building electrification, which will leverage federal funding to secure local wins. And the opportunity here to engage local governments in decarbonization has really never been higher. The federal funding unleashed for electrification by the Inflation Reduction Act and the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act totals over $13 billion. But the federal impact is mediated by local response. If local elected officials fail to support electrification, that funding can go unused. But conversely, much of it isn't capped. So effective local campaigns could surpass initial estimates and actually amplify the benefits of legislation passed in the last Congress. And this is also a great area to engage because local politics remain less polarized than national politics. So it allows for quicker action. And then it demonstrates that elected Republicans can implement climate solutions, which continues to build the uh, case nationally. And our role here is that we are deeply experienced with building local relationships. We have already helped pass resolutions through municipalities and states, including 255 municipal resolutions and the public endorsement of 274 local elected officials. So we're gonna use those deep local relationships and partner with Rewire in America to initiate local electrification campaigns through school boards, universities, and local governments. So Rewire in America will lend its expertise on electrification, while Citizens Climate will leverage their local relationships and robust grassroots network. Climate Smart Forestry is our next area, uh, and this presents a timely legislative opportunity to reduce net emissions and to build Republican climate champions. So the reason that we're tackling healthy forests 
is first of all, the Farm Bill includes major climate funding opportunities and it comes up for reauthorization every five years. That next reauthorization is at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. It is the primary vehicle for creating new forestry and agriculture programs. For example, the 2018 Farm Bill authorized programs totaling $428 billion. We also estimate that climate smart forestry programs could sequester an additional 5% of US emissions per year by 2030. And then further policy could drive that up to 10% and for later Congresses. And climate smart forestry offers a place to give Republican members of Congress ownership on climate solutions, which builds trust within bipartisan coalitions and encourages them to take a first step. And our role here is really that while many environmental groups have a long history of advocating for the conservation of forests, most of them have strained their relationships with Republican members of Congress due to that partisan engagement that they engage with during election cycles. But we will bring new grassroots energy into this space along with the capacity to translate that grassroots energy into legislative wins with both Republicans and Democrats. We'll use our well-established method to introduce effective climate smart forestry legislation and grow the clout of those bills and co-sponsorship lists with an eye towards the inclusion in the farm bill or other omnibus packages. Uh, we will start by advocating for a narrow subset of carefully selected bills, including the Forest Act, which restricts commodities produced on illegally deforested lands from accessing the US market, and it assists countries in addressing illegal deforestation. The Save Our Sequoias Act, which directs federal agencies to enhance the reforestation and rehabilitation of giant sequoia groves. And the Trees Act, which directs the Department of Energy to establish a grant program for states and governments and Indian tribes to establish tree planting projects that reduce residential energy consumption. Okay, so I just threw a lot at you, uh, but before wrapping up, I'd like to circle with a few proof points of the impact that CCL has had over these last couple of years. And just note that this is me briefly touching on it. All of these parts are um, expanded upon with further detail in the appendices section of the document provided, which is what this entire training is based on. But here is what Representative John Curtis has said about our work that I think really is a testament to building climate champions. He says, when I came to Congress, I did not have my climate feet underneath me. And the CCL chapters in Utah reached out to me. The very first thing we did was take a 12 hour hike together. There was no judgment, there was no criticism. There was only encouragement and explanation and understanding. So let me just say that one of the reasons I'm here, that I do what I do is because of my relationship with Citizens Climate Utah. And he said this when he was speaking in front of the conservative conference as the head of the conservative caucus, conservative climate caucus in the house. So it's, he's really stepped out from climate ignorant to climate champion. Uh, and he contributes a large part of that to CCL. And here's what citizens climate uh, friend, Sheldon Whitehouse has said. Uh, he says, I love citizens climate. You guys are the best. No group in the environmental community has been more determined to get emissions down. To understand that, it's not enough to do what is politically possible. It is mandatory to do what nature demands. So thank you. And part of the reason that members of Congress love working with us is the amazing mobilization that we pulled off during the fight to get a price on carbon and the reconciliation package. 
and then ultimately our success in helping pass the strongest climate provisions possible in what became the Inflation Reduction Act. So since reconciliation, uh, CCL volunteers uh, made 248,000 calls and emails to Congress and Biden and held 1,700 constituent-led lobby meetings with Congress. They also reached 4.5 million people in targeted states through text and phone banking. And they published 5,400 letters to the editor and op-eds in local media across the country. And our legislative track record also speaks for itself. And just to note that the details about each of these bills is detailed in the Roadmap Resource Appendix B. But our efforts have helped to pass six laws, bills into law as components of larger bipartisan packages in the last congressional session. It shows that bipartisanship is possible and that Congress can work across the aisle to begin addressing climate change. The six bills that passed are the SCALE Act uh, which, and the Use It Act, which both work on carbon capture and storage, the BEST Act, and the Climate Ready Fisheries Act. As well, we passed the Growing Climate Solutions Act in the last omnibus package in 2022, and the Hope for Homes Act, which was a bipartisan bill that got wrapped into the Inflation Reduction Act. And then we've, uh, it's worth noting, we were attributed leadership on passing the Reclaim Act through the House, although it did not yet become law. And then the Energy Innovation Act, uh, we've grown it to 96 co-sponsors in the last Congress, which was the most of any carbon pricing bill in US history. So with all of that, I wanna circle back and wrap up our possibilities in this Congress. We believe that we can enact permitting reform that unlocks 80% of the IRA's emissions reduction potential, or 12% of our 2030 emissions goal, and it speeds the clean energy transition. We can build the long-term case for carbon pricing by supporting bills centered on carbon pricing and a border adjustment mechanism. We can leverage federal incentives to accelerate building electrification at the local level. And we can wrap climate smart forestry provisions into legislative packages like the 2023 Farm Bill, which is an opportunity that only comes up every five years. Big round of applause, Topher. Thank you so much for that really thorough and concise overview. That was a wonderful, wonderful window into our roadmap and all within half an hour. So definitely something I've been looking forward to sharing. And I know for a lot of people that couldn't make it tonight because they're traveling to DC, this document and these slides are gonna be very helpful in their own local outreach uh, after our time together in the conference. If you do have questions after tonight, you are more than welcome. As always, please know to follow up. My email is simply just brett at Citizens Climate. I'll be happy to connect you with Topher if there's anything connected specifically to development. If you have a development question, you can always simply just email development at Citizens Climate Lobby, and chances are either Topher or Perry will be getting back to you within three seconds. Um, and you're also more than welcome to post on the forums. You can just simply go to cclusa.org forward slash forums to really engage in conversation around this. We'd love to create a lot of buzz, uh, have people in your network be more aware of this and use this in their own outreach, whether it's with volunteers, donors or other you know, local community leaders. So thank you all so much for being here. And I'm just going to unmute all lines so that we can love up on Topher on our way out tonight. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Topher. Thank, thank you, Topher. Thank you. This is really, really good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. 
go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.